right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals and i saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it and i began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to be open the scroll or to look into it and one of the elders said to me weep no more before the lion of the tribe of judah the root of david has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders i saw a lamb standing as though it has been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes which are seven spirits of god sent out into all the earth and he went and looked to the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne and when he had taken the scroll the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayer of the saints Our series for Advent is anticipation, looking forward to Christmas at the end of days, right? Christmas in Revelation. I think it's uh, kind of interesting how you can uh, look at an object or a thing from uh, just two different perspectives or two different viewpoints, and uh, they can look like not the same thing, but you know that they are the same thing. Okay, so uh, let me give you a few examples here. Um, here's, here's a picture. It looks like um, it's a loft in um, like a downtown warehouse, right? Uh, Arts District, maybe. But there, there, it, something cues you off. Look at the light source. Uh, oh, it's not a loft. It's not a room. It's a cello from the inside, right? Um, here's, here's another one. Um, if you were two aliens uh, uh, buzzing by this planet, just at the right angle and at the right time, you would say, oh, oh, uh, there's, there's nothing down there. That's, that's, that's the liquid planet. That's the liquid planet. Um, but it's Earth if you center the Pacific Ocean. It looks like kind of just a big liquid planet. Two perspectives. Gives you a whole different picture. And, and here's one. Um, you, you look up and there's a lot of, I don't know if you can see it really well, but a lot of metal work, a lot of girders, and you think, oh, it's, it's, oh, it's an oil derrick from below, right? Maybe? Platform? But then, no, it's the Eiffel Tower. Um, that's what it is. Um, that's what, this is what I'm going to say. Is this, is, this is what Revelation 5 gives us, is it gives us the same thing from two very different viewpoints and they look radically different, but they're the same thing. They're the same thing. Um, and, and so this is, uh, I, I just wanna cover two points and we've been singing about it, we've been reading scripture about it already. Uh, and there's two points is that this is what we're doing. We're anticipating a lion at the Christmas at the end of all days. That's what we're anticipating. We're anticipating Jesus to be the lion of Judah at the end of all days. Um, That's the second advent. And then we're anticipating, or we're celebrating rather, in the first advent of Jesus, the lamb. Jesus as the lamb. 
so uh, this is what I want you to look at is if we look at the first five verses of Revelation 5, uh, we get this picture and um, there's these pictures of these scrolls and these scrolls have these classic um, seals on them, almost like wax, right? Where uh, a ruler would take his ring and he'd roll it over the wax and he'd send a scroll off to uh, another king of a neighboring country. And this is what it means is that, um, uh, first of all, it means this, is that it's sort of like a password, right? In order to open up a scroll, it has all these commands and directives and initiatives and thoughts, strategies, whatever it is, edicts even, new edicts. In order for someone to open that, it's almost like a password. Like you gotta be that guy to open it. You've gotta be fit to open it. And the, and the word that Revelation 5 uses is worthy. You gotta be, you've gotta be the guy. You, you've gotta fit all the requirements in order to open it and see what is happening from God the Father. Who can do this? And, and, and so, um, all of the leaders, this is in Revelation 5, all the leaders, important leaders it looks like, it calls them the elders, so I, I don't know who these men are, but important men are gathered around and they're saying, are, are, are you him? Are you, you him? No, you're not him. Nope, nope, not you, not you, not you, not you. Maybe you, nope, definitely not you, not you, not you. Who's gonna open these scrolls? And in John's visions, John wrote Revelation. It's this poetic, metaphorical vision. It's really huge. But John writes this, is when he saw this, he starts to weep. Now, when I read this, and I, re I realize I'm a modern, Western, uh, influenced, in, influenced by the Enlightenment, I, look at, I read this for the first time, and I'm like, John, you are being melodramatic. Like, someone can't open some scrolls? Boo-hoo, right? It, like, it, it just seems like he's a little overboard with, why are you crying? But, but this is it, is I think all of us are desperately, desperately longing for someone to be fit and worthy, right? Do something about the brokenness. Would someone do something right? Let me push it a little bit. If you came here this afternoon and you are down, if you're angry, if you're agitated, if you're anxious, I bet you want things fixed. And when no one is fit to fix, there's weeping. And it doesn't have to be external weeping. You can just feel it. Uh, I have, a, there's, I have six siblings. My youngest sister, the, the youngest, 
my, my parents named her Worthy. <laughs> and, and I don't know what dad gets away with this, but they were in the hospital, and I think they had pre-planned what they were going to name her. I think it was like Sarah. And when my dad saw her, he goes, her name's Worthy. <laughs> think, of, think of the right turn for my mom. Like, what? What? <laughs> He said, because she's worthy for our love. And what he meant by that was like, she's fit. She fits for the love that we have for her. Um, she once met James Worthy at the Lakers club. Well, I don't know if I should repeat this. Okay, uh, and she was like, she pulled out her driver's license. She goes, look, look, my first name is Worthy. He was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Do you want a selfie? Um, but but that, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> But you know this, and I know this, is that, you know what? I'm not worthy to even understand myself. Like my history, my emotions, my reactions, my struggles, my tendon. I'm not worthy to understand myself. I pay someone $150 an hour to do that. I'm, I'm in some way, and some of you, if you've been married a while, you're going to get this. You're not worthy for your marriage. Like, you are not up to do the very perfect things every single day. You're not up to it. You're not worthy. I think we know this. We're not worthy of all the relationships, complex relationships that we're in. We're, We're not worthy. We're never being and never doing what others really, really, really want us to do. We're not worthy. None of us are worthy to enact our plans in reality the way that we, we carefully and precisely and conscientiously put it together and we're not worthy to execute it like we had it so perfectly up here. We're not worthy. Now, here's the kicker. No one else around you is worthy either. (laughs) I know you want them to be, and I know I want them to be, but no one else is worthy. Can your spouse be all of the things? No, they can't. Can you hustle and bustle and craft your career to be worthy, or you to be worthy of it, and it to be worthy? No, you can't. Can you throw all of your energies into family and kids and parenting to be worthy somehow? No, you can't. No, you can't. I, I was made a, a, a head pastor very young, too young. And when you enter in a church that has multi-layers of generations, is there are many families and couples ahead of you. Some a little, some medium, some a lot, some super a lot. And you know what I've seen? And maybe this will help our community that is in a slice of young kids right now. Is I've seen almost everyone is hustling for the same things. Almost everyone. And almost everyone, including myself when I was younger, almost everyone thinks I'm gonna find, I'm gonna find this perfect string of decisions to be made for my kids and my family. 
and they're gonna be successful and they're gonna be emotionally healthy and they're gonna be physically safe and they're gonna be mentally sharp and it will result in this loving unit that wants to be around each other all of the time. And I'm gonna tell you this, I haven't seen one family pull it off yet. No one is worthy. And it was in ways expected with some families, you're like, oh, the writing's on the wall there. And then in some families, absolutely unexpected. But no one was worthy. And so, maybe John's not being melodramatic. There's weeping. Some of it's audible, most of it is inaudible. Easily around Christmas time, especially around the time when we've injected so much relational pizzazz around the holidays. But more often than not, it is a silent weeping, and I love it, love it, love it, that the scriptures call it lament. This is the weeping of all of human history, is who can do it right? Show me, please, somebody. Show me anybody who just won't mess something up. I say that for the church. I say it for organizations and every new career startup path. You think, I bet they're going to do it. No, they won't. And everyone looks around. Nope, not her, not him. Nope, 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 nope. And one of the important men, one of those elders in Revelation 5, he looks to John And he says, dry your eye. Actually, that was Snoop Dogg. He says this, don't weep. Don't weep. We found someone. We found someone. We found someone to open those scrolls. We found him. He's the Lion of Judah. He's the Root of David. And think of this. Do you know why... They, they echo Lion of Judah. That's Genesis 49, promise from the beginning. And then they talk about Isaiah 11, another promise. We're, we've, been, we've been calling this shot for a long time now. That guy, he's worthy. He fits all the requirements. He fits all the requirements. He can do what we've been trying to do for years and years and years and hustling and bustling and trying and trying to get it right and make all the decisions and be careful and be super conscientious and think and think and think and stay up till 2 a.m. Think and think and think and think. He's gonna do all of the things we cannot do. In fact, he's the only one. Maybe you're expecting someone to be worthy and they're not. Maybe you're expecting yourself to be worthy and you know I'm not worthy. Maybe someone else is expecting you to be worthy and you know that you can't do it. Here's a Christmas story for you. There's only one. And he's a lion. 
It's this huge picture of strength and dominance and power. And, and let me just say this, is you don't approach a lion. You don't approach a lion, right? You scope them maybe from 400 yards away from a Land Rover, maybe, right? It's this poetic picture of capability and ferocity. That's what we're anticipating in the second advent. Oh, he is going to absolutely clean house. Christmas at the end of the world, someone who's gonna do it right, and regardless of what you, what you think of all the politicians being able to fix it, yeah, guess what, they won't either. Next year, yeah, they won't either. Four years from that, yeah, they won't either. They won't. Now that's kind of awesome. It's kind of exhilarating. Oh, sweet, someone's gonna fix things. But it's frightening. It's frightening. Because the fix the wrongs, the lion needs to turn and look at you. Uh, familiar story for, to some, but the London Times, um, uh, early 1900s, they, they, they had a series of editorials and questions. They asked their readership, they said, would you send in um, what you think is wrong with the world? And if you know G.K. Chesterton, um, Catholic writer, incredible, incredible writer, very witty in that British way, um, uh, a lot of readers had written in just these long, long, pontificating letters of everything that's wrong with the world. And G.K. Chesterton wrote in, simply said, Dear Sirs, I am sincerely G.K. Chesterton. And he gets it, right? He gets it. Like, like if you, we're a part of the problem, and so the lion has to turn to you. The lion has to turn to you and me. And if we're a part of the problem, then a lion's got a lion, if you know what I mean. Okay? And he's going to tear you up, and he would tear me up. And he would fix things by doing that. <laughs> Problem solved. And that's why we celebrate a lamb in the first advent. Right, that's when John looks up and it's from a different angle and it's from a different viewpoint because it's the same passage in, in Revelation 5. You're like, oh, I thought we were just looking at the Lion of Judah. And then he looks up and he says, it's a lamb that looks like he's been slaughtered. What? Different viewpoint, different angle. And, and this is from Revelation uh, 9 and 10. There's this hubbub and commotion in Revelation 5 that starts. And then it's a buzz, and then the buzz turns to shouts, and then it sounds like a chant, like this, this massive soccer chant. And what is it? Fit, fit, fit. We're worthy, worthy, worthy. You were killed, but your death bought back your people. Why? In their place, condemned you stood, to quote an old, old hymn. Your death bought them back. 
And then you see this, it spans the globe. It's not a regional deity. It's not a cultural deity. It's from all tribes and nations and languages. And you've made these people that were kingdom breakers into kingdom builders because we celebrate a lamb. And because we celebrate a lamb, you and I won't get torn up. We won't get thrown out. And then the chants in Revelation 5, they get simplified, so they get shorter, but then they get multiplied. This is a really rare place in in the scriptures. And this is what I mean by that. Um, We see this in Revelation 5, And there's one other place where it describes, it starts to enumerate what you can't enumerate. And it says myriads and myriads and all of creation and thousands and thousands and all the creatures that aren't human beings, they're gonna get into the praise. And this is what I think is really, really fascinating is the last Psalm of the Old Testament song book, Psalm 150. You know what it describes? It describes let Every single thing that has breath, praise the Lord. I don't know what a naked mole rat sounds like, but he's in there. Like a, a telescoping f- a, a fish. You should, this guy looks horrifying. Look, you should Google it sometime. Just get an image of a telescopic fish. What? And he's in there. I don't know what a flounder sounds like. Every, it talks about everything on their say. They're gonna give praise and they're simplifying it to this. Everyone's in unison and everyone's agreeing on what to say. So again, I don't know how these creatures are saying it, but they're saying this. Worthy fit. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power. Have you been chasing after power? And wealth, have you been chasing after wealth? And wisdom, have you been chasing after wisdom? And might, and honor. Wouldn't it be great if you were honored so much? And blessing, and he said, what they're saying is this, this lamb is worthy of it all. The lamb fits. Every good thing that you and I are chasing after, he's the only one that fits those things. He fits it. All right. We've got some Advent for Christmas 2023. So what are some things you can reflect on in a time of waiting and looking ahead? What are we anticipating? Well, a lion. Please, 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 please come and fix all the things we cannot fix. We thought we might get ourselves to be fit to fix it, but no. We've wanted so many others to be fit to fix it, but no. I'm gonna tell you something here, and please receive this. Is your weeping is a part of Advent, isn't it? Fix it.
bring someone who is fit to fix. That's one. But right now, we are also celebrating, and I mean celebrating a lamb. The first advent brought us a lamb whose slaughter covers yours and my, our non-fitness. The lamb has made a way where you and the lion are all good with each other. And you don't have to fear condemnation, you don't have to fear reprisal, you don't have to fear punishment, you don't have to fear exposure. You don't because the lamb guarantees your safety. So, I said weeping is a part of Advent. But I'm gonna tell you something else that is equally true from a different viewpoint. Your smiling and laughing praise is part of Advent too. The weeping and the laughing, the lion and the lamb, from two very different viewpoints, both very, very true. Right here, December 2023. Let's pray into that. Our Father and our God, If not for the lamb, we are done. If not for the lion, we do not have hope for this world. I ask by your spirit to occupy our reflections this very month with both weeping and laughing. And at the end, Jesus, bring us to worship. because you're worthy. It's in your name we pray, amen.